Welcome to Act Dad, the Awesome Dad Show. I'm thrilled to have you here today. In this episode, we are going to be getting down and dirty with an awesome dad and pediatrician of over 10 years. I really enjoyed this conversation. I think that it gave me a lot of information to A, help me be a better father, and B, make better decisions. We went over everything from the future of medicine to things that dads don't worry about but should. We talked about balancing fatherhood and being a doctor, and it's just a really great conversation. Please take a moment to subscribe to The Active Dad Show. That means a lot to me and helps me reach more dads. And definitely make sure to go on over to Facebook and check out Active Dad, the awesome dad group. We've got a really great community of fathers there committed to living their best dad lives and raising awesome kids. So without further ado, let's get into the show. What is up, awesome dads? Welcome to Active Dad, the awesome dad podcast. I am stoked. Today I have an Great guest. You're going to get a ton of value. Get ready. The guest today has over 10 years experience in pediatrics. He's been, uh, he graduated from medical school back in 2006. He's a third generation pediatric doctor. So a lot of family experience there. You'd say it runs in the blood and uh, also an awesome dad, father of three, great husband, just all around great dude. It is my pleasure to welcome Dr. Alan Caddis to the show. All right, man. Thanks for having me. This, this is going to be a lot of fun. I'm excited. Yeah, doctor. I'm, I'm stoked. I'm excited. I'm ready. I'm ready to rock. And I think you're going to be able to give both myself and the audience of dads a ton of information. So really excited about this interview. All right, Mark. So let me start here. How did you get into pediatrics? What made you decide that's the route you wanted to take? So again, being a third generation pediatrician, I kind of, um, you know, I kind of idolized my father growing up and he's a pediatrician and pediatrics was a little different back then. You know, he was gone a lot of the time and, uh, you know, I appreciated the hard work, but he loved it. And he uh, he really was was would come home happy every day and, and, you know, telling me all about his patients. And, you know, then you go out in the city following him around to run errands and everybody comes up and hugs him and loves him. And, you know, I, I kind of wanted I wanted a part of that. So, so I, to me, there was no choice. So as I went into uh, college, I knew I wanted to be a pediatrician. I also wanted to have a little business background. So I took a, you know, I took a, a marketing major, but uh, kept doing the, the, the medical background. And then when I finished college, I knew it was for me and I wanted to do it. So went off to medical school. So I actually did my medical school um, at in down here at Nova Southeastern University in South Florida, and then went on to do my residency at uh, University of Florida in Jacksonville, my pediatric residency, and I did an extra year of residency uh, as a chief resident, overseeing the the program there, and uh, then I came back down to South Florida to start my practice with, uh, uh, you know, join a large group practice, and been here since. Awesome, and I think one of the things that I really love about your uh, pediatric style is you're you're very like down to earth very real right I, I think that most people when they expect a doctor to walk in they expect them to be bald and gray haired and whatnot but you're just like a you're a dad you're a normal yeah. dude right well, exactly. i mean I, you know I, my number one job is being a dad and um what what i what i took away from from my dad growing up was you know pediatrics was different back then he had a lot more there was no break for him there was no you know he had to go to the hospital he had to, when one of his patients went to the hospital, he had to go there. When he had a patient in the ER, he had to go see him in the ER. When he had a newborn baby, he had to go see the newborn baby. So I think, luckily for me, pediatrics has changed, and we have 
a little bit more free time um, where we have other hospitalists covering us and um, the the little bit less hours. So I wanted that. And when I knew going into pediatrics, I didn't want to be like my dad. I wanted to be there for my kids. And I take that as my number one job. And, you know, I, I'm involved in my kids' sports and I like coaching. So I, I do a lot of coaching with my kids. I've actually coached every team they've played for. So, uh, I, and, and then, so I get to know all the kids throughout the community and, you know, it, so I take that as my number one job being a dad. That's awesome, dude. I, I empathize 110%. That's actually the, the second core principle of act a dad is that you got to spend that quality time with your kids. Cause you're going to wake up one day and be like, you're going to blink. You'd be like, man, I missed it. I missed all those years. And uh, I just got through a stint of coaching. What age did you start coaching your kids? So I started with the um, about three with one of the local programs. A lot more challenges there, and you know most of the kids aren't interested in it, so it's more more keeping them on the field, right, and stop them from catching the butterflies and the lizards. Yeah. But uh, now, so now my oldest son is nine. I have I have three kids. I have a nine year old, and I have a six year old daughter who's about to turn seven next month, and then I have a son who just turned five. So I've coached my nine year old through every season uh, since wow. three, and we're talking. Football, basketball, and soccer. So that's uh, awesome. I, You're probably it, it like really, now. Now it becomes a, a pride for me because you know I've I've always been a competitive dad. I grew up a competitive person. I grew up uh, playing sports my whole life, and I'm winning some championship rings. So I've been, uh, <laughs> you know, I, and I'll wear them too. By the way, so it's it's a kind of joke my friends have with me when I go out. I wear my championship rings for my kids' little league sports, but it, it's a lot of fun for me, and it and it takes away from, you know, the uh, everyday stress of of working in a practice and you know and worrying about patients. It you know gives me something to do, and it's it's just the way I was brought up. So really, I would encourage all dads out there to get involved in in the sports if their kids are interested in it. But any way you can get involved in their activity by either coaching or even assistant coaching. So a couple of the seasons I've done just assistant coaches where I knew I would have to leave work early to be a head coach. But um, yeah, I'd highly recommend that. (laughs) Yeah, I know when I started coaching my daughter's uh, three-year-old soccer team, I was like, I want to be the only coach. I want to be the man. I want to lay down the rules. And I sent, I found out within two minutes that you want other people there to help out. Exactly. It's just, especially, it's just especially madness. With young, especially with the younger ones, right? Oh, yeah. They're like, like you said, you got one chasing butterflies, the other one's rolling in the net. They're just out of control. <laughs> so I got a question for you. Like, inevitably, someone ends up getting hurt on the field. So what happens when someone gets hurt? You're like, step back, everyone. I'm the doctor. I got this. Or you just kind of like, like, how does, it, how does that look? Yeah, I mean, it, it, yeah, that's a good, great question. Um, it, it depends sometimes. Uh, as the older ones, you know, when I say older ones, I mean the eight, nine-year-olds. They get pretty competitive, especially in soccer. You have a lot of injuries. Um, and in football, if it's a kid on my team that I'm coaching, you know, I'll be, I'll be one of the first ones out there to, to check it out. But I kind of take off the doctor hat when I'm coaching. Um, so when there's a player from another team, I will kind of step back, wait for their coach. If it looks like something serious, then I would jump in. And, and fortunately I haven't had that yet, but you know, unfortunately this legal, legal age, I try not to get involved unless it's someone I really know. But obviously if it's something bad, I would gladly jump out there to help out. Right. I feel like it would be hard to just take that hat off, that doctor hat off, right? Because you're you're wearing it every day. You're thinking about it. You're studying it. You're talking about it. But I think that's important too to have. It is. Like I, a way I, really, of like, I think escaping. that's one of my my coping mechanisms is when I you know one of my de-stressing mechanisms is I will you know w- when I'm out and about I try to think of myself as 
Alan, the dad, the coach, and and not always not always having that doctor hat on. But it, it is. It's hard, and, and it, it's what I do, and it's what I love best. So, you know, it always comes out. Absolutely. So speaking of the wearing the hats and taking the hats off, how do you feel that being a pediatrician has impacted the way that you parent? Do you feel like you're more worried about because you know all these different things that could go wrong? Or do you feel like you're less worried because you understand that, OK, there's solutions and we're going to figure it out and, and, and so on and so forth? I, I, I think I'm less worried. Um, I, I, I don't think every doctor is the same. I know pediatricians who will even get more stressed out than a lot of patients um, that when their kid's sick, they, they bring them in right away and want everything checked right away. I, I'm kind of the opposite. Again, I've had my dad. And my wife's actually a pediatric nurse practitioner. So when my kids get sick, we don't really do much but monitor them and it, we don't get stressed out about it. Um, I think there are times when, when you know, they're sick for a few more days than usual and we start thinking of, of some of the, the weird diseases that we've learned in the past. But um, yeah. we, we kind of, between the three of us, we kind of knock questions around, hey, should we, do you think we should get a check now? Do you think we should bring them in? Do you think we should do this? So it's nice having a, a pediatric family. But right. for, the, for the most part, to answer your question, I mean, usually the, the common children, childhood illnesses, fevers, colds, being a pediatrician, you see that every day. So it doesn't really stress you out when it's your own kids. Yeah, I think as a non-medical expert, right, as a father myself and as mothers, and I talk to other dads and whatnot, it feels like we're in an age where we can scare the crap out of ourselves because we're going on the web and we're like WebMD and like, holy cow, my kid has... XYZ, like right. the black plague, right? Like right. how often do you, you run into that where parents are just coming in? Like the kid has like a mild cold and a cough and they're like, I, I think this is right. you know, influenza, well, we, I bird that, flu. You know, I see that five or six times a day. Um, you know, the internet is dangerous and, and a lot of parents know right away. They say, well, I know I should have done this, but I Googled, you know, this disease or whatever. I do Google these symptoms, but, um, you know, and it, it, it really is, uh, it really is something we see a lot of, and it's part of making it. It's part of the challenge of being a pediatrician that you have to kind of bring them back down and say, you know, that you know that that's unlikely, and it's always something we'll keep in the back of our head. But common is common, and you know, we don't go for those zebras right away. Right. It it almost feels like you have to. Yeah. Well, right. The zebra is good. Good analogy. But it almost feels to me like you probably have to like debate with them sometimes too. They're like, well, I read this on this forum, and or my girlfriend told me about this and this group chat like it seems like there'd probably be times we actually have to debate them like well you know i actually went to medical school and i've been doing this for <laughs> nearly 20 years so my partner, some time uh, and all. my partner has a coffee mug that says uh you, i did not get my medical degree on google or something like that right. but, um, <laughs> yeah it, it's true and it, it, you know the biggest thing we see now is is with vaccines and we get a, a lot of uh not as much as you would think but we we do get that's the biggest thing. I've been looking at the internet all day and, you know, I, 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 I read about this vaccine and, you know, that's where we try to say, listen, you know, that's when I really want to step in and, and try to give the actual, you know, the data, the medical data and the, you, you say, you got to trust me. I, I'm, you, you hired me as your pediatrician. I've been a doctor for 10 years. I've studied this for 16 years. So, you know, you, you got to trust me over the internet. And so that that kind of leads in pretty well into to my next question, and that is choosing a pediatrician. Because one thing that I found in just working with different doctors, talking with different doctors, is they all have different kinds of mentalities or opinions, different interpretations of data. 
how what's like what are some ways that that fathers and parents can find a pediatrician who they trust who lines up with them what are some questions to ask yeah great so number one you know especially if you're having a new baby you're going to be in that office a lot and you probably should schedule an appointment to meet with them before the baby's born and meet with a few different ones even if you like one meet with a couple different ones you want to look at where the you know, the, how the office is. Are you going to be comfortable going there that often? Um, you know, because in the first in the first year, so basically you're going to go two days after the baby's born. You're going to go a week after the baby's born. You're going to go two weeks. You're going to go one month, two months, four months, six months, uh, nine months, 12 months, and then, you know, every three months until they're two. So right. it's going to be a place where you got to feel comfortable. Obviously, sitting down and talking with the pediatrician, kind of making sure you guys line up. So questions I commonly get, first and foremost about vaccinations. So if you're, you know, if you have a problem with vaccines, most offices these days won't take patients who don't do vaccines. So you, that's one of the, the things. Um, just having a simple conversation and seeing if you mesh well with it, with the conversation. Then office policies, uh, wait times, um, after hours, phone calls, those kind of things are what the most common questions we get. And, and then, you know, I, I always get Good questions about if I prescribe a lot of antibiotics or, you know, my, my view on breastfeeding. So obviously, no, we, we, we only use antibiotics when it's necessary. You don't want a pediatrician who's going to jump to antibiotics right away. You know, we want to encourage breastfeeding as much as we can. And, you know, anything that's important to you before basically is what you should you should look in and go go straight up and ask the doctor before you before you have your baby. Yeah. So find someone screen a couple different at least ask questions, make sure that their priorities and views are in line with your own, because, exactly. you know, if you're really gung ho on, Hey, I need to be a breastfeeder. And the person you're talking to is saying, Hey, you should supplement, supplement, supplement. That's exactly. probably not. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. How often do you actually get dads coming into the pediatric office with, uh, with their ch- kids, with their moms, or is it mainly all moms or how many so dads get involved? For the most part, for the most part, it's moms. Um, that, what I usually see, the pattern I usually see is the dads come, you know, the first few visits, uh, especially with a new baby, which is great, but not to stereotype, but most, most go back to work and the moms with the baby. So after a few visits, you know, we only see the, the dad every couple of years, to be honest. Um, but I have, you know, I do have a, a a lot of dads who are very active, and I even have some dads who are the only ones who bring the kid in. Uh, but sure. I think it depends on the home situation, you know, or when the kid's very sick. Like today, I had a patient I have never met the dad, but the kid was pretty sick, and the dad came with the mom. So I, I mean, I re- you know, in the in the world, moms, dads work, so it's hard, and usually one will just come. But in the beginning, we do see a lot of dads, you know. Then it then as the patient gets older, the dad kind of gets used to going and knows knows the doctor, and I think they have more trust and they don't come. So I've actually got a kind of a funny story that uh, you may or may not be aware of, but your father was actually my pediatrician back, you know, decades ago, oh, wow. right? So I did, okay, okay, yeah. I, didn't, I don't think I knew that. Yeah, and um, my dad didn't typically come to visit. Like you said, he kind of did the typical thing, come to the first couple and then he was, he was off to work. He's building business, et cetera, et cetera. So for whatever reason, one day it was time for me to get a shot and I was not having it. Didn't want the shot. It was just, wasn't happening. Right. I don't think many kids enjoy getting shots and (laughs) I definitely wanted them. So I ended up like hiding and kind of like getting into this little crevice underneath the desk. They could not get me out. And so that was a situation where dad had to get called in. They had to call in the big guns to, 
Yeah, so actually, I do I do get that. I, I forgot about that. I do get, oh, you know, you're getting shots next time. I'm bringing his dad. His dad's coming with him. And I will get that occasional, you know, maybe once a week or so where the dad brings him just for the shot. Yep. Yeah. That's kind of what dads are there for, to be like, all right, son, daughter, we're going to get through this together. B- buckle up. We're going to make it through it. You know, it, it, they, but, you know I'll, I'll get it the other way, too. Uh, the dad brings the kid in. They need blood work. Oh, I, I can't be here for that. I need mock. So <laughs> it goes both ways. But, yeah, usually it's the dad who comes with the shots. Right. You know, again, we're talking a little bit about WebMD and, and issues that parents might freak out about. What are some top things that you've seen parents really be concerned about that are really pretty normal, not something they really need to freak out of? And, and I also want to preface this by saying, hey, if you're unsure, it's always a good idea to see your doctor. Right. But what exactly. are some of the reasons? Yeah, that, what are some of the things? The main thing I want to say, you know, there's there, to me, there's no silly, there's no silly visit. That's why we're here, you know. You're not supposed to know – the patient's not supposed to know everything. Parents aren't supposed to know everything. And if, uh, you know, anything you're worried about, bring them in. That's why we're here. And, you know, we, we tell the nurses that were on the, answering the phones that, you know, even if they think it's something that doesn't need to be seen, if the parent wants to be seen, then we, we want to reassure them. Um, so uh, to me, I, I, I would say fever. Fever is, is, a, is a normal process when you're, when you're sick. Um, for the most part, kids don't need to be seen in the first day of a fever. Uh, you know, obviously there's a lot of exceptions to that, but you know, a healthy kid who has a fever for a day, this is normal. Fever is good. Fever is is the body doing its job to to fight whatever most likely virus is going on. You know, especially in kids, most common cause of fever in kids is a virus. So it is a general statement, and a kid with just a fever and nothing else, there, there's there's no reason to panic. Um, you know, and the, uh, there was I think there were studies back in the old days where they had kids with kids with fever and half of them got, you know, Motrin or Tylenol and the other half didn't. And the side that didn't get the Tylenol and Motrin seemed to improve quicker and less days of fever. So, you know, when I'm at home with my kids with fever, I try to let, let it go for a day or two, again, depending on there's nothing else drastically wrong um, and see what happens now. This and I get a lot of uh, oh the fever was really high that's why I brought them. In kids, fever can get high, and in 103, 104 is not that uncommon. Again, I'm prefacing saying that if you're that worried, we bring we check them. That's why we're here. But uh, for the most part, fever you don't have to be rushed in. Fever is a normal process. Um, two to three days usually go by, and the and the the fever should resolve on its own. Um, the other thing, you know, and also colds, you know, cold symptoms, cough, congestion. Most commonly, viruses. Sinus infections are rare in, in children. Um, so most cough and congestion can run longer than you think, four to six days in the beginning, and can take up to two to three weeks sometimes to resolve. So wow. we get, a, you know, I get a lot of visits of, it's been going on for seven days now. They need antibiotics. Well, no, that's not necessarily true. Um, the, the you know kids are pretty resilient, and most of the time they can fight viruses on their own. Uh, so I'd say that's one of the things that people freak out about in you know, even today I had a father that came in with the wife and I hadn't met him before because the kid's fever was high and he said something has to be wrong. Um, you know, and, and again, great, great worry, but everything checked out okay in this kid and we watch him. So speaking of fevers and colds, I don't know if this is an urban myth. Uh, my wife always says this and I'm like, I don't know that that's actually true. Do Does being cold make you sick like sometimes you she's like oh we got to put three or four layers on him so he doesn't get too cold is is that what makes kids sick 
No, I, I don't think so. No. Um, it's more of an urban myth. Uh, you know, viruses are passed through most likely droplet secretions, uh, cough, congestion, touching something, putting something in your mouth. Um, now, is there is there a possibility that that having cold, being cold and not, you know, your body not being at its optimal temperature, you're able to get a virus more quickly? It's possible. But for the most part, you have to have a contact uh, from a respiratory secretion or, you know, touching something to get some it. sort of some yeah, sort of virus. Usually, but... You shouldn't get a cold from being in the rain. And I still get that all the time. They right. were in the rain yesterday and then they got a cold. Um, no, that, that that's not true. Got it. I can't wait to show this back to my wife so I can, <laughs> can lay it lay it down on her. Um, what is something that parents just don't worry about but probably should be more concerned about? Uh, that's a great question. Again, there's probably a lot of things I can go on and on about. Uh, the most 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 important thing I say is nutrition. I mean, you know, this day and age with childhood obesity, I see I, I see a lot of issues with McDonald's and fast food and and kind of junk food. And some parents don't know that that's that that's not okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, there's some there's some economic issues to that. I think that that's another another story. But, you know, juices. So a lot of children drink juice. They, children really shouldn't be drinking juice. You know, in the old days, everybody drank juice. But now we know it's mainly sugar and shouldn't be drinking our fruits. We should be eating our fruits. So basically, drinking, drinking juice is taking a high load of sugar. And I tell my patients, you know, might as well give them Skittles or Starburst, uh, wow. not to mention what it's doing to your teeth. So really, children should just be drinking water. And there's actually recommendations from the American Academy of Pediatrics that, you know, children one through four should have no more than four ounces of wa- of juice per day if they are going to have juice. But I think that's one of the big things that par- they come parents come in proud saying, "I'm giving him juice. He's drinking juice every day." And you know, I say, eh, "They really shouldn't be doing that." Um, and, and you know, nutrition. So you'd be it'd be you'd be surprised that at how many times. I'm, I'm coaching with nutrition and, and it seems like most new parents would want to do what's best for their children. And, and some just don't know better, but, um, you know, fruits, vegetables, and, and, uh, and kids are getting chicken nuggets and pizza. And, you know, again, as a dad, I know the struggle and I, I, you know, we, I have to fall and give my kids that once in a while too. But for the most part, it's, sh- if, if the, the parents will say to me, he will eat nothing but that. Well, Who's feeding him that? You know, you gotta, you gotta be the one to offer him the good foods. Kids are very good at pushing boundaries, so yeah. I, I can, I can empathize with that. The other problem is that you know, you go out to these restaurants and you go look at the kids' menu; it's always crap. There's never right. anything that's, there's never anything on there that I would actually eat, right? It's, everyone is, it's yeah, it's uh, grilled cheese and chicken fingers and pizza, right? Yeah. yeah. And then it comes out and it, it looks like it was just like frozen for weeks, and they just microwaved, and I'm like, I wouldn't eat that. And now I'm going to serve it to my kid. It's, it's right. It's I, I try, yeah. I try out at restaurants to order, you know, order from the adult menu when I can or appetizers that seem more healthy for the kids. But yeah. again, I, I preach these things, but I'm also a dad and I, and I know the struggle and I, I get the chicken nuggets once in a while too. <laughs> yeah. Well, like I try to never expose my, my daughter to a tablet or, or screen at the table, but every once in a while, it's like my wife and I have to talk for five minutes and it's like, we just got to, Kind of like calm her down. Right. What about water? What about watering down juice? Do you think that's uh, an effective tool? I, I don't. You know, it, it, listen. If 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 your kid, if the child is 
kind of addicted to juice and that's one of the ways to combat it, sure. But ideally, never to have that taste for it. So we want them to like water. So once you start watering down juice, they're going to like the taste of juice in the water. So I always try to say just water yeah. all the way, milk once or twice a day if needed. But a, you know, a toddler should only have water and milk. Yeah, I want to bring the tablet thing because that's that's a great point. I, I didn't even think of that, but when I was thinking about the show, um, I do have parents that come and say that the tablet, um, you know, I'm so proud my kid can do this and this on the phone. My kid can do this on the tablet. Um, we, we and I, you know, I preach that we really want to minimize the exposure to these TV, tablets, any screen time under the age of three. You know, the basically the the I look at the brain like a muscle and when they're watching these tablets, these screen times, even if it's an educational show, it's strengthening that action portion of the brain. And, you know, this may be one of the things that's causing ADHD in the future when the kid's looking in real life and it's not as fast, it's not as action filled mm. as this tablet is. So when they're, they get bored easier, you know, and they're looking around like, why isn't this moving? Same thing as video games, but, um, so I, you know, the, the American Academy of Pediatrics says screen time should be, really should be no screen time under three, under three years of age. So that's something to look up, to think about. And again, I have three kids. My first kid, we did the best we could. There's times when you're going to need, you're going to need them to sit in front of the TV while you take a shower or whatnot. By the time we got to the third kid, the first kid has the electronics, you know, so it's, you know, it's, it's inevitable that it's, that it's hard to fight it off. Um, but I, you know, I try to, I try to preach what's best to the parents. Not always, <laughs> not always working out in my house though. But. Yeah. Well, like you got to be practical about it. And and one of the things that I've found and, and I'm, I'm really passionate about is kind of like saying, okay, these are the best practices. And I'm going to do my best to get there. But like you said, no one's perfect. Sometimes you just, you've got to take a break or Correct. you've got to maybe break, break one of your rules. Um, it's just being, I think just being conscious about this implication, like for example, in the juice thing, like we, we do typically give our daughter like half water, half juice. And now just talking about this, I realized that, right. Like the juice is just, it's pure sugar. There's no, you're not getting the fibers out of the fruit. So that's something to think about trying to wean her off that. Although we've already, we've already trained her that, you know, a little right, bit of juice. That's is fine. She's expecting that. Yep. Absolutely. Um, what about medicine in general? Where do you see medicine going in the future? Like you said, it's come a long way since your dad was practicing and, and his father was practicing. Where do you see things going? Uh, that's a great question. Um, I, I wish I knew that answer for sure. But, uh, you know, we, we see a lot of with, with telemedicine now, that's a, that's a big topic. And uh, most most companies are starting to look into that. Um, you know, it, here we are in, in my company as well. We thought that would never happen, but it's something that's in the process. Uh, and a lot of the larger, larger groups are doing that. And, you know, basically kind of sitting on, uh, like you're on a podcast, looking at your doc, looking at the doctor and they have now equipment where you can put, you, you can buy something and attach it to your phone and you can look in the ear at any time of night and, and the doctor can see it live right there. You know, it, the old school doctors, and I'm kind of on the border of that, I, you know, I guess now for 10 years, even though I don't feel old school, but that, you know, part of you wants to say, you know, that's not good medicine, but I think it's where we're at. And I think it's what parents expect. I think it's, it's more of, you know, changing with society and society wants a doctor right now. They don't want to wait. They want their kids seen right this minute. The fever just started. They want them seen. So that's also where we see the, the secondary provider, the, uh, 
you know, like nurse practitioners and, and physician assistants, which are, who are great, great tools. Um, and you know, that there's being more and more of them hired to, to meet that need of, of the quick demand from the patients. The remote visits and technology, that seems like like the big thing because you could get, it's all about access right now, right? Getting access to people as quickly as possible, which is probably a blessing and a curse. It means that you can see more people more quickly, but the curse is you're going to be getting called at one o'clock at night to say, Hey, what's going on in little Johnny's ear. Right. Right. And it's going to be hard to ever. That's one of the challenges I have. I think when it comes to technologies, it's like, I can never actually break away um, to focus on what's what's in front of me because I'm always being pulled and, and notified of, of these different things that are happening. Well, and and you know, so to to see see little Johnny's here at one o'clock in the morning, it may not be your physician. It's going to be you know uh, another provider for the most part because you know that's the other way of doing it now is that it's kind of shift work. So you're on call from this to this, you're on call from this to this, and you know the continuity of care may be getting lost. That that's mm. concerned with the urgent care centers. Um, again, they, they serve a great need, but we have patients go to urgent care center and we're not really sure that what was it done properly? Was it really this? And then we got to follow them up. And, uh, you know, so it, it's, it's, it's a complication, but you know, it's, it's the way life is now in medicine. And if for the most part, it's fulfilling the patient's needs. For the most part, the, the problem is, is I think we rely more on technology. We're relying less on the knowledge and the understanding of the individual and the context of the situation as well. Exactly. Um, that's, that's, one, that's one of the big problems with urgent care. They're like, it's, it's kind of like back when you were in high school and you, and you scrape, you know, you got hurt or whatever, and you go to the nurse, like, eh, just put some ice on it. You'll be fine. Right. right? There, there was right. no like. Exactly. It, 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 there's nothing like having your own doctor that knows you and, and you know, knows the family. That's, that's the ideal situation from the past, but I just don't know if that's fully sustainable anymore. Um, and you know, we're, every, everybody's trying to work around it and, and find that solution. Absolutely. Well, doctor, it's been a pleasure. I just want to thank you so much for coming on the show with me. I know it's been a long, crazy day. You're a doctor after all, so you stay really busy, but, um, I really appreciate you taking a few minutes. I I mean, I'll be honest, just in this, this past half hour, I feel like I've learned a lot. I feel like I've learned a lot. So if I've learned a lot, I could tell you that there's going to be thousands and thousands of men out there, fathers, parents, that I think are going to get a lot of value. So I really appreciate you taking a minute. And I I think some of these topics, like we just kind of scrape the surface on. So uh, I'd love to chat in more detail in the future. We'll see how things go. Yeah, I would love to do that. This is a lot of fun. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Yeah, Dr. Cad is my pleasure and really looking forward to our next visit. In the meantime, have an awesome day, brother. All right. Thank you. You too. I just want to once again thank you so much for being part of the Act Dad family and listening into this episode. I hope you got a ton out of it. Please take a moment if you haven't already and subscribe to the Act Dad show. It means a lot to me. Definitely make sure you hit up our Facebook group. It's an amazing place for you to connect with other awesome dads. And also check out our YouTube channel. I'm bringing you new, fresh content every week to help you again be the best father you can be and appreciate a better quality of life. Hey, with all that being said, have an awesome week and I will see you next Monday. Peace.